Coming up, Matt Cohen takes a long vacation and I go and shoot football stuff, some climbing stuff, about a new 400. Assignment desk was about negative space. On masterclass, we'll discuss how you can make your photos fit more three-dimensional. Pledge cues, where we talk about a lot of questions but people have. We talk about a photographer that I don't like, but I like this image. Episode 66 is next. You cannot be serious! That ball was on the line! And ladies and gentlemen, Elvis has just left the building. Konnichiwa, this is you, Vocal. Shalom, this is Matt Cohen. Welcome to Big Lens Fast Shutter, where we demystify the world of sports photography. And if you have forgotten, and I know you haven't, it is never too late to send a couple of bucks our way. Since this is a 100% user-funded audio-visual entertainment, please go to patreon.com slash blfs and show us how much you love us. That is p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash blfs. Because we are here to make you a better sports photographer. Matt Cohen, News. Here at News, both Ryu and I will tell you our best and worst shoot of the previous month. And we talk about ourselves because we like to. Yeah. Good August, bad August, so-so. I took half of July and half of August off. I didn't Why? even take my cameras out of the case. What? Uh, just, what happened? Yeah, just four months of shooting almost every day and was pretty burnt out and couldn't really think of anything that I wanted to do. So I just didn't schedule anything and stayed home and it was great. So like you did nothing? Yeah, I did not shoot. I edited a little bit. I delivered some pictures to my clients, got organized cooked hung out i could probably say the same thing as well a bit i did clean my desk and i decided like i'm just like for the work's sake i had to clean and just make sure like i don't have anything other than work stuff on my desk i bought a drobo by the way just do the backup stuff that's and we're going to talk about idea. backup stuff like well uh, because um someone asked about it and that's going to be for listener cues i also got a uh, 400 the new one so here's the story right so I went to Confederations Cup in Russia, which I absolutely hated. I don't think you all know that. It was just terrible. It's, well, not terrible because it's still, you know, it's just Confederations Cup. It's, it's international football. It's still a bit exciting. Russia, not much so. But anyway, I got to be, I got, I uh, spoke to the, uh, the Nikon rep because there's always like Nikon Canon people over there to rent your gear and everything. So you can, like, you can seriously go there with nothing and you can actually pretty much like get everything and i know people like i've actually heard from some nikon people like there's some people that actually go there like for world cups with like no gear whatsoever they go there rent everything and they use that to shoot their matches which is i think is a very smart way of doing things not very professional but very smart way of doing it and uh, my colleague he had the latest 400 i think it was released in 2015 and mine is like two generations before the, the latest one i wanted to try out the 400 and he but he told me he warned me and said man if you use that one you're never going to be able to actually go back to the old one 
And I thought, it can't be that good. And it's really good. So I used it and I was like, okay, I, I think it's time. I want to get a new 400. The problem is that it's very expensive, you know. It's not a very cheap lens to get. I think it's like $10,000, something like that, right? Isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So I talked to the Nikon MPS and they said, well, we can give you a deal. And we can actually take your old 400 and then uh, subtract the, the, the value of that from the new one. And then we can give you that for a certain amount. I said, how much is it? It's like 6,000 euros. And I said, that's no, that I can actually get a better deal because I can go to Japan and get a, you know, I can probably get it down to like $5,000. So he said, okay, well, we have another one. And I, I said, what's that? We have a refurbished one that we can actually get for you with a 12 months warranty and we can get it for $4,000. And I said, done. <laughs> so I bought a new one. Yeah, I'm very happy about it. Like it's uh, one lens that I probably use the most at this point now. And I wanted to get uh, the, the really the, the best one out there because the fact that I used it in a conversion scope and I just couldn't really imagine not using it. And it's amazing. It's really like, I think if you skip two generations, there's a massive leap in technology that makes it better. You know? Not for all lenses, but this one was a big, 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 big difference. There are any, so, any of the new ones, basically what you said before, you can't go back. Once you try oh, yeah. the new, the new version of anything now, you, you can't go back. Like They are as messed up as a company as Nikon is. The gear that they're putting out, especially at the top end, is, is really good. Yeah. yeah. It's worth it. So since you didn't do any shooting, I did some. I did some bouldering because uh, my niece, I couldn't actually go to that many World Cups, but I went there and I got some stuff done. That was quite fun. Um, I shot Neymar, which was also fun as well. The bad probably is that fact that I spent 4,000 euros on a lens. So I guess I just have to work a little bit harder to just, you know, get some money back. And also, like... I actually worked for um, a client during Confederations Cup, but they haven't paid me yet. And that's been about, what, July? So I hope they do, huh? because that's going to pay for the um, the lens. And the, the people that, um, well, it's been like a month, so I think I'm going to be okay, hopefully. And the people that contacted me, and I asked Matt, I asked Matt to give me an um, estimate to for them to use my photos. They never got back to me after the initial one, so I think that's a gone deal. I hate that, you know? Yeah. Like at least like they should say like oh we're not gonna do it anymore. Like it just goes silent. Does it happen a lot? You know, like they just like say it it's stupid. Like they don't want to say that, like they don't want to say no because then it makes them look like they're not for real. So they just don't deal with you after that. It's so stupid. Like I think it's so unprofessional for them to do that. You know. If you want professionalism, you should find a different career. <laughs> Maybe I will. And that if concludes belly aching for this month. <laughs> so there was like no good or bad on yours. Uh, I I did. I just I shot this past weekend. It was my first one back, and it was a rodeo that I like to shoot because it's in a pretty small arena, and you can get good angles, and you don't have to worry about things going too far away. So it was a good shoot. It, you know, it, I got some pictures that I'm really happy with, but it wasn't top to bottom it wasn't the best just because the light wasn't exactly what i wanted but it was fun okay that's really no it. that's literally the only thing that i've shot since we recorded last 
But isn't like football season starting soon? So don't you have to do any football shoots in the future? Yeah, I've, yeah, I have some football coming up. Oh, American football. Just so you know. Yep. Well, that's basically it, though. That's the news from us. And um, we'll give you more, you know, obviously, coming up. And um, hopefully you'll keep on listening because we got some important stuff that we have to talk about, such as what you've done on Assignment Desk. give you an assignment and you show us if you've been listening very carefully don't doze off and show us that you've been an attentive student or a bad one so we ask you to what was it negative space i think we kind of got into like what we were specifically looking for but um basically like negative space you know so there has to be like some kind of a subject but then like there's a lot of space in some places in the in left or right or up or down that um, complements the picture. Like it, it, just, it just cannot be just a negative space just for the sake of negative space. So we had entries from Tom, Tim, Reed, Kevin, Anatoly, and Simon. Not a good turnout because we do want like 10 people to participate you know, we'll see how it went. So Matt Cohen, any of them catch your eye or they kind of like... I think that Tom's is a good picture, but I don't mm. think it's really what we're talking about. Like, this is... I mean, I guess you could make a case. Like, if you were really trying to argue and you could say the shadows on their faces are part of the negative space. And so if you mm. total up all of the dark area of the picture you know it's it is mostly negative space and i wouldn't make that argument but you know i could see somebody being trying to trying to be a hard ass and making that argument it's a good picture you know like yes using the light very good picture yeah using the light like that is good like that's good i don't want to discourage anybody but this isn't what we're talking about like there's not like for this to be negative space you would want to be like Much closer less people in there yeah you want to be closer and you would only want like two or three of these little uh you know silhouette type things or just ha- like one roll of it or something yeah you know? something mm. something where the overwhelming amount of it was actually negative space not just darkness on their faces so this is what like 60 40 or something like that that it's almost half you know so. yeah so it's just yeah. too much there's there's too many things in it when we're talking about negative space it's like just enough to show what's going on and the rest of it empty and so yeah. this is a good picture but it's not good for what we we're talking about here this four-wheeler one this it's just these are too easy like when you anatoly's um that's not really negative space and it's also no. you know like really lazy kevin's that's a fine picture, but it's not hard no. to do, and you know it's just not good enough. It's certainly not good enough for Kevin. I mean, <laughs> not that we would be saying this no. was good otherwise, but it's just like for instance, like like no, you really like, just, like, like these just... these kind of pictures. You have to you have to find something. It's not just okay. Here's what I'm going to be shooting anyway, and then I'll move the camera up or something like that. That's not the point of it. The point of it is to actually use the space, not you know just recompose so that there's more space like the space has to mean something 
And so these pictures where, like, even if we granted, like, even if we pretended that Anatoly's picture was all pavement and those fences weren't there or something like that, it's still just a boring picture. Like, there's nothing happening here. And so there's no point in having the extra space. You would have been better off just cropping to the car. Yeah, but, like, for instance, like, if Kevin's photo, right, if it only had, let's say, like, just the arm and the ball, would you then consider it negative space? I mean, it, it would have... It, or would that be a bit more... It would have... I mean, even as it is now, it it's, like, to the letter of it, it's, like, it fits, but it's just not... It's not interesting. Like, that's... He's not no. using the negative space. He's just including it. There's, you know, a subtle difference there, but I think it's pretty obvious if you if you think about it for a little bit. Like, using negative space means building your picture around that. Including negative space means just recomposing somewhere where his whole body isn't in it or the outfield wall isn't also in it. Like, you want you want there to be... Like, if you if you look at Tom's picture and you just imagine the upper left-hand side where the people's heads are. If he had just done like 10 people or something like that and then figured out how the rest of it would have been completely dark, then that would have been approaching what we were talking about because there's a purpose. There's a wall behind them. You're only showing just enough to know what's going on and then the rest of it is the negative space contrast because i think like a lot of people would actually be asking that like what exactly is it and i think what we're trying to say is that just don't do it for the sake of it you have to like be kind of complementary and has to like kind of enhance a good picture not like a boring picture with a lot of negative space like tim's picture it has to be a bit more than that right it, it's just again it's just he there's nothing here other than I, you know, I moved my camera up. I aimed higher to cut out the track and just have the clouds in the background. Like it's, it's just not, it's not interesting enough. The, the negative space just happens to be there. And again, this would have been better if he had just been tight um, on the rider. And I think like I was, I was looking at Reed's mm. thing, for instance, like I would have actually like loved this because it's such a good angle, you know? And there's so many things, like if it was a bit wider, like imagine like it was like twice as wide. Well, this is... And if you have all the writers and you can actually see, I mean, this is, I think this is a better use of, of it, negative space, I think you know what a, I mean? I think of it's all a it. more courageous attempt at it, but I don't think it's a good, it, it's yeah. not good. The First of all, Reed, when you're setting up and you see like that pole or crane or whatever it is in the background, <laughs> that's, yeah, that's it. Just stop and move somewhere else. What what happens here? Or what I it. what I can tell <laughs> from looking at this is that you thought, okay, I'm going to do this negative space. I'm going to use the road, and I'm going to use these bikers as are cresting a hill. And you didn't even look for the rest of it. You didn't even. I bet you didn't even see that. You may not even have noticed it until we just said it. And that you cannot do that. You have to know what's I mean, in the like, frame all the time. But that's yeah, not. But, but that's not like even. That's not. I, that's not it. The what you also have to ask yourself is why is the road in focus and the people aren't in focus? Because if you had put the people, I don't mind no, that. No, part, it doesn't look good. It's not, really? that is not a pleasing out of focus situation. I mean, I, I'm not actually like, I'm not saying that like it's, there's no, there's no good reason. There's good no reason photo. for it. If, they, if there had been like 
no sky behind it, just riders or something like that, then it may be. But it's distracting because it's not just one kind of homogenous zone of riders there. So having that out of focus is distracting mm. and having the road in focus doesn't get you anything. It's not like there's any lettering on there. It's not like there's any kind of interesting thing to look at. So you focused on something that's not interesting and you've put out of focus something that could have been interesting. Yeah, but the thing is, like, I think the idea is there for me. I think the idea is there for Reed's picture because I think I would actually have done both patterns. I mean, like, I would move to make sure there's no crane in the background. And I'll try like different things because it's one of those things that you can probably think about it. If you're already in that position to actually shoot it and you can imagine like how it's going to come out, you can actually like just do like one or two pictures this way and then one, uh, a couple of pictures like with the writers. But I kind of like imagine it like if it's just like one writer doing it, I think would have been really, really good because you can actually use all that space. You can shoot it like uh, in a portrait. I think idea is there, but I think the execution just wasn't up to par. I'm not trying to be nice to read on because I, I like that. I like this idea probably more than you do, you know? Yeah, I, I, I like the, I think I like the really thinking like behind it. Clever way. I don't like that he was careless with that, whatever that is in the background. Oh, yeah. And I don't, That's for me, it would have been better if it was, like if, if I was making this picture, I would it would be just their heads. Their heads would have been in focus and the road would have been out of focus. And I would have rolled the dice with that. Mm. Um, you can try different paths. Like, I want to see like another version yeah. of this one if it's going to be yeah. possible, you know? Um, and then Simon, like this is better. It's yeah. better because like the way that the, the way that it's composed, it's not just one thing. It's the ball and the guy, which gives it, you know, more of a structural kind of feel to it. And so having all that space in it adds to the tension between the guy the you know the tension and distance between the guy and the ball so yeah, this, this is, is good. Like yeah this, this is probably yeah. the best example and best picture combined yeah i like tom's picture the best so, but it doesn't it doesn't work for this no. um so i guess simon is probably the best example of what we're talking about yay simon he's the winner and he did say that he was going to do one for cricket but um Apparently, there's not much cricket going on at this moment, so it's a football shot. Um, that concludes our wonderful portion of Simon Desk, and we will come right back with uh, Masterclass. If you came here looking for information on Training Ground, you are out of luck. We've moved it to YouTube and therefore you get to see your rewards and punishments on video. Go to youtube.com and search for Big Lens Fast Shutter for separate words. In Masterclass, we pick a topic in sports photography and we serve it on a plate to your ears. You got something to say? Please tell us at biglensfastshutter.com if you want to contact us it will be helpme at biglensfastshutter.com masterclass what do we want them to suffer so this month we talked about during the last training ground about Mahal's picture of the the diver yeah and he was all the way across the pool from the diver and the background was very close to where the diver was and 
we're talking about how that's just a recipe for bad pictures. You're never going to be able to isolate the subject from the background if the distance between you and the subject is a lot greater than the distance between the subject and the background. You could have a 1.4 lens if you were shooting, you could have a 400 1.4. If, you, if you're 100 yards away from your subject and the subject is five yards away from the background, it's still not going to be isolated. So if you're shooting at f4 or something like that, it's never going to work. It's just going to look bad. You're going to have bad backgrounds and you're not going to have any kind of separation at all. I see this a lot in rodeo because people shoot with longer lenses and they don't want to have to get out of the way. So they stand really far away, but most of the action happens right by where the background is, where the bucking shoots are. And so it just leads to bad pictures and it leads to some of these clowns photoshopping blur into the pictures and you just don't want to be that guy. So really? Oh yeah. They do that? Yeah. Really? Wow. Anyway. That's uh it's ridiculous wow. and lazy and you know uh that's another way to use Photoshop. There you go. You start blurring it back. Oh, wow. I never thought about that. Anyway, uh, so no, that's not good. Obviously. So the point of it is you want, since you're in control of where you're shooting from, you know, sometimes you can't, we get it. There's sometimes where they just stick you somewhere and you're screwed. But if you're shooting little league, mm. if you're shooting, you know, youth soccer or something like that, or small college or high school or anything like that, or even if you're shooting pros, you still have a choice you know, within, you know, certain parameters. But what we're talking about doing is figure out a way to get to a point where you can control the situation of being closer to where the action is happening, even if it's only on if the people come to one part of the field. So if you're, let's say you're shooting football, American, European, whatever, and it's a big field, their plays are going to go all over the place. But the pictures that you're looking to make are going to be when they come towards the point on the field where you are and, and you want to set up so that when they come to you, there's going to be a long distance between where they are and wherever the background is. So I want you to think about it when you get to where you're going, walk around the field, look at where the backgrounds are, especially the bad backgrounds, because you don't want to shoot against the bad backgrounds anyway. But if you do have to, you want to make sure that you're at the closest point that you can get to the subject, wherever they're going to be on the field. We've also... Yeah, because like the... Oh, we've sorry. talked about this when, you know, shooting shooting soccer, where if you're on one goal line and there's like a penalty shot on the other side of the field, you're, you may continue shooting that because, you know, whatever, it could end up being newsworthy or something like that. And you don't want to come back and say, I didn't get a picture of it. But you're never going to get a good picture from 110 yards away when the guy's kicking it is 12 yards away from where the goalie is so think about it in terms of that like you want to be shooting towards where you're sitting and with the furthest point away behind you so that you can get that separation so that you can blur out the background and get that kind of a 3d look that we're looking for rather than um shooting from a really, really long distance and having no separation between your subject and the background. So the main point here is that make sure the subject that you're going to be shooting is a 
not so far and the background of that subject is not so close to the subject because then that's what happens uh, so that way, like bad pictures then happen in that case doesn't matter if you use any um, high f-stop the background will be blurred enough to have any sort of separation between the subject and the background I mean you can, you can play with it just like let it you know just like you know submit it to us and we'll basically talk about it next month um, it's not very, very difficult this should be in most cases for you guys with your equipment it should be f-stop independent granted your f-stop is not going to start at f8 or something like that i think it should be fine if that's the case then you have to really make sure that your subject is really far 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 from your distance and you're actually taking the subject very 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 close but give it a go the whole point is that there has to be a a separation between the subject and the background yeah i think yeah. it's gonna be okay anyway that is a master class and then well, I guess we'll talk about other stuff in the next segment. Did we make a difference in your life? Or maybe you want us to make a difference in your life? Please go to patreon.com slash BLFS and pledge for us or to us or towards us. Any amount is satisfactory. $10 will get you a lot of things. So please go to patreon.com slash BLFS. S. This month in Pledge Cute. We're going to start off with um, what Michael K asked um, outside of Pledge Q's thread, and that is about backup. And we have an expert in backup who's really anal retentive and he really doesn't want to lose anything because he lost something in the past. So we'll let Matt Cohen tell you how wonderful his backup plan is and I'll tell you what I do for a backup. So Matt Cohen, your anal retentive backup process is? <laughs> yeah, years ago I did actually lose some pictures that weren't backed up when a hard drive crashed. and. Throughout the years, I've lost other things like music and documents and whatever. So I am now what I would call a backup psychopath. Um, when I go and shoot, especially like when I'm out of town, I I want to have three copies. I want to have the copy that I'm actually working on on my computer. And I want to have an extra little portable hard drive that's always backing up. And then I want to have something that I can fit in my pocket that I can sync everything to and then like I don't want to leave everything in a hotel room and then have the hotel room get broken Fuck. into or have my car broken into serious? or something like that so I always have two yeah copies so of the, well, of the thing like like at the shoot I have three three like, copies oh yeah, yeah one besides a computer right so I I have my cards I don't do anything I just keep my cards in my pocket until I put them on my computer then when I put them on my computer as I'm working I sync them to two different hard drives one of them is small enough to fit in my pocket um the reason you know you can be as dismissive as you want about this but there's a really famous story that's been going around over the summer where a woman had just shot a wedding and left the pictures on the cards left the cards in her car her car got broken into and the whole weddings where the pictures were gone my pictures aren't 
as important as, you know, somebody's wedding pictures are to them. But when it's so easy and when hard drives are so cheap, I'm not taking any chances. So I am always going to have, you know, the one copy that's on my computer and then another one in case one of those crashes. And then I'm going to have another one in my pocket in case something gets in my car or my hotel room gets broken into. Um, if you don't shoot on the road and all you're doing is, you know, bringing your cards home, then that's fine. You don't have to do any of that. But when you get home, then you load your pictures onto your computer. And for me, I have two physical backups and then I use Backblaze and all of that stuff ends up syncing to the cloud. So if, again, if my place gets broken into, if my hard drives all crash, if there's some kind of weird energy spike or something like that, then whatever I've backed up into the cloud, which is, it's constantly going, um, is, is going to be there, you would hope. I mean, you know, nothing is ever foolproof. It's digital media, it's stuff that can be corrupted or whatever. But I always want to have multiple copies because I've had too many hard drives crash and I've had, um, you know, heard stories like that where somebody's car gets broken into. We talked about that woman in in Canada, remember? So her house was burglarized and she lost lit almost either literally everything or almost everything that she had and didn't have any backups. I don't know how that ever shook out but I know that I never want to feel like that this is what I do you know like so I when I go out and spend all this time traveling around and spend all this money on gas and hotels and stuff like that the only thing that I come home with are the pictures that's you know I traded all of that money and all of that time to be able to go and get those pictures so I'm going to spend the extra few hundred dollars here and there to make sure that those pictures are safe and not play any games with not having them backed up and not having copies that aren't here. Damn. So, like I have to like, um, that's how I do it. Extra, extra hard drives and then backblaze. I need to like find like a small hard drive that I can put into my, um, this new one that I got. Cause I've been using little thumb yeah. drives, which they wear out really quickly from, writing, you know, if you're them. like loading a bunch of pictures on and then, you know, they, they just, I've gone through two of them already this year. Now the, there are external, uh, SSDs that are like the size of two matchbooks. And so I just got one of those and it doesn't take up very much more space than a thumb drive, but is much more secure and holds a lot more. Um, so I've been, yeah, I've been using that and pretty happy with that. And, you know, if you just need like a, a small spinning disc drive, you know, you can get that if you don't need to keep it in your pocket or whatever, there's storage has never been as cheap as it is now and it's just going to keep getting cheaper and you know when you think about all the money they spend on gear and travel and all that kind of stuff having you know a couple extra hard drives around is is really important but and then uh backblaze which i've been using for seven or eight years something like that has saved me twice like two i've had two hard drive failures that backblaze was able to bail me out from it's five dollars a month and it backs up everything that's on your computer and all your attached drives. And so I definitely recommend that. It's really the only thing that sucks about it is the the first time when you have to upload everything, but that is also cheap in comparison to losing everything. Um, I wish I could say the same thing, you know? So I've got now, I bought a Drobo just because like, I just want to have a bit more flexibility into what I basically put into the, the drive. 
because the raid system in general you have to like it's a bit more complicated than that so one of that just have a big drive so I can put stuff in so that's there and I've got a NAS hard drive like NAS thingy and that has you know a lot of terabytes in there and that's also a backup of this and then I was thinking about doing like I did the uh, the Mac Cohen Club backup but it's still backing up after six months so I don't know what I'm going to do because it's like halfway done in six months. It really hinges on how fast the internet connection is. So I think the one thing I can possibly do, I was thinking about going to like bring a hard drive back to my parents' place and then backing up from there because it's, it's faster in Japan. Yeah. Um, then I'll be able to actually back it up and that wouldn't actually take a long time and I think then I'll feel a bit better about everything. But then that means that like, I don't know how that's going to really, you know, work out. But um, I need to really do something about that. Um, the reason actually, like, I, the thing is, like, if Drobo actually breaks down, I still have the um, the NAS. Um, Drobo's proprietary thing. So if the Drobo machine breaks down, you need to buy another Drobo to actually um, get your stuff back. That's the only problem. With the NAS. Right. That's That's why, yeah, I don't recommend that at all. You can build your own enclosure box. There's, I have a RAID here that I just built by myself i just bought a, a housing and then the drives to put in it and it's can be read by anything drobo's proprietary you can't just take those drives and put them into a different housing it has to go into a drobo housing and for that reason um i don't recommend that at all so i wouldn't actually like do all drobo like it doesn't make any sense that's why i have the nas as well and now that actually has a schedule to back up like every week so back up well, one thing I probably will do now is I'm going to go to Amazon and look for that SSD drive so I can actually take it home. Because what I usually do is I shoot it. I don't erase my card at all until I come back home. So I have a, two copies of everything. If one's going to be in my computer and one's going to be on my card. So if everything happens, I have it on my card. Yeah, I mean, like, the, the backup thing is, like, it's, you know, people have, like, different methods of doing it. And you kind of have to, like, figure out, like, how you're going to do yours and... Like, for instance, like Matt shoots everything in RAW, so that would actually take up a lot more space because I shoot everything in JPEG. It really depends. I mean, like, RAW is going to take up more space, so you're going to actually need more hard drive space to actually do it. And also, like, how many images you actually keep? Because I, I know some people, like, they keep absolutely everything that they shoot, which is crazy. I don't understand that either. But I keep, like, really absolute bare minimum. So if I shoot uh, a football match, I shoot about maybe 2,000 images, and I'll probably keep around 100 or less usually and the rest goes in the bin but some people like i said just keep absolutely that 2000 images like i don't know what they're gonna do with 2000 images that you know, no one's gonna really care about it actually might be an interesting thing like for someone to actually start a thread and you know we can all basically compare and contrast what kind of um, backup methods you have because i think it's something that a lot of people want to know how to do it and you kind of have to like you know consider a lot of options basically a money <laughs> and b like how you know the easiest way for you to actually back it up we're going to go on and do the other pledge cues so shawnee d 23 asks do you have a recommendation for wearing two camera bodies i usually just put the one i'm not using on the ground but if you have to move around a lot this doesn't work i've been looking at spider holster uh straps have you had any experience with this so, Matt Cohen, how do you carry two camera bodies? I don't have any kind of special system. Um, like, if I have two short lenses on, I just have the 
shoulders on my or the straps on my shoulders i just have the think tank like anti-slip straps and they just one on each shoulder and then i just pick up and put down as i need to i've looked at those i have friends that use the i think it's black rapid where it's like a harness or something like that and then they just kind of hang down i I just i don't like i could never get used to that um so i don't do that if i had to i would i would buy one and then try it out on a shoot that wasn't super important because i think a lot of this stuff like is going to be personal preference like there wouldn't be that many of them if people didn't like one or didn't like the other or something if one could serve everybody then it probably would have so yeah i don't know i I couldn't get used to it and i i just like i don't want to have anything strapped literally to me because i want to be able to put something down if i can and these have like these clips or whatever that you have to undo to put it down if i want to take a camera off i want to just be able to you know lift it off and put it down and the other thing is that a lot of times i shoot with a really long lens and i'm not putting any really long lens on a strap and having that strap to me so um, you know, that just goes on a monopod and I just pick it up and put it down as I need. Well, I have a, you know, I have one shorter lens and always I'm going to have a big lens. So my 400. And so I don't have two straps around me anyway, like probably close to almost never. Um, sometimes I do like when I'm shoot weddings, I do. Um, and I have to shoot like, for instance, bouldering because I use, I still use a 400, but I switch to shorter lens like the 7200 how to carry them it really is like you kind of have to like look at what other people are doing and try it out if that's going to work out for you great if it doesn't then try another way and it's one of those things like yeah Matt said like it's just it's a personal preference thing I won't put it down on the ground because if I need it then I need I need to basically go and reach it um and I'm sitting down for a football match I have it like you know strap I have a the strap on me it's strapped and then if I have to go, I just have to care. I have to like reach for my right. Uh, I, t- I, I, I use my right hand to reach for the body and then I start shooting and that's it. So one thing I would actually make sure that you can actually do is that worst case scenario, you have to like shoot one handed that you have enough, you know, power to do it and not shake and everything. And that's quite important because I have, I have had many times that I have to like shoot one handed um, and I can do it now. And I think that has probably a lot to do with the fact that like my 8200 is an F4. Um, I think 2.8, I think it's going to be much more difficult. It's much heavier. Um, Mihal asks, I'm going to Georgia, a country, not state, in the U.S. in late August to find my future clients as I decide to move there, move there later on. I know how to approach and make business proposals for news medias like newspapers, but I know very little how to deal with established sports clubs like football ones. For instance, I have a generic list of phone numbers, administration, international department, marketing department, media center, blah, blah, blah. How do I find a proper person to talk with and don't get uh, a look of an inexperienced person who just happens to have a camera a day ago? I don't want to have a phone dialogue like, hello, I'm a sports photographer, or hello, we already have one, but I don't think we need one, just because I talked with the wrong guy. The best thing is to be lucky. I think there's no other way to actually do it. Like if you if you're calling for to for a sports club to to um, hire a photographer or buy your photos or have kind of a business going on, the best person obviously to know is the CEO of the company. 
there's no magic bullet, just like there's no magic bullet to getting a credential, a gig, a job, any of it. Um, you have to keep calling until you get somebody who's bright. If you get somebody and you have this kind of conversation, then you can call back and talk to a different department. If you're trying to get credentials, talk to the media people. If you're trying to work for the team, talk to the marketing people. That's it. Um, for me, I want to have people see my work before I call because then it gets you over the hump of, is, is this guy serious? That's the only thing that I do that would be different maybe from somebody else. I want them to see my work because I believe that that speaks for me. Um, my it. short one is that I'll ask you a better social media presence so that people contact you instead of actually you contacting them because um, it's always better when they contact you because that means they're interested. So Michael K is asking, I'm an average to below average sports photographer who is slowly getting better thanks in part to the show and a lot of practice. I'm keenly aware of my shortcomings and I have a list of areas where I can improve the stretches further than use ego. Good God. Okay, maybe not quite that far, but you get the point. As professionals, what do you do to ensure that you continue to develop your skills, avoid plateaus and repetition? Where do you or the editors who buy your pictures feel your work can be improved? What are you doing about it? Hmm. You want to go first? I need to think about it. Well, for me, yeah, I look at my pictures all the time. Like, you know, between shoots, I'll look at every picture that I made before before I head out on my first trip of the year, I'll look at every picture that I made last year. And, you know, it takes a couple of days to page through all of them. But when I do that, I kind of, I can see where I was at the beginning. I can see where I was at the end. I can see how I handled, you know, maybe more of a difficult situation. And then I see, okay, I'm making too many of these kinds of pictures. That's the repetition part of it. The plateau part of it, you know, sometimes I'll look at my pictures and I'll just come away and be like, I'm just, I'm not happy with what I'm doing here. And so it kind of is motivation to figure something else out. Um, another thing is, like I said, in, in the beginning, I, I was on the road, I shot 30 times in, or 29 times in 30 days or something like that. And I was burnt out. I couldn't think of anything new to do. So it was all repetition. And I just said, I'm taking a month off because I needed rest and to look at my pictures and figure out what I wanted to do next. I wouldn't count on editors buying your pictures to really give you a whole lot of feedback. That's not how it works anymore. If you have a, a job at a daily newspaper or something like that, then maybe you're getting feedback if the editor's not happy or if he wants something specific. But there's not there's none of that anymore. Like I don't hear anything. Like people buy my pictures or they don't buy my pictures. Some of the clients I have will say, we need something from this angle, but that's because they have like a specific need to be able to use a picture in a certain way, M leave more room on the left-hand side or leave more room below it or something like that. That's not a, that's not going to help me become a better photographer. That's just helping me fulfill my contract with them. Um, so I, I would, I would get away from thinking that some editor is going to come and teach you. That's really, that's, that's why we're here, right? Um, that is not going to tell you they're just not going to buy them if they're not happy with them. I mean, I get asked like for interviews and things like that, like what your best picture is. And I always say like, I haven't actually taken one because if I actually taken them at my best, like perfect picture, like I'll just quit this job because there is no better than perfect. 
So whenever I actually like, take a picture that I think that went well, I just look for stuff that didn't actually go well. I, I also don't want to do something repetitively all the time. Like it's just like, and I try to really vary my stuff as much as possible because I think if I've done something once and if I think I've done it well, then like, or well, why would I actually want to do it again? You know, so like for instance, like recently I was at the PSG match and I saw this guy we're going to actually talk about um, in the later segment. He basically did the, um, you know, that you're focusing on something and then you do like the, you zoom in and zoom out. You kind of get that effect. I wanted to use that. And I basically spent the entire second half doing it. And as one image that I got was the one that I was quite happy about. But am I going to do it again? Probably not because I've already done it now. I did it for bouldering and I did it for um, the football and like that's it. I don't want to keep on doing it because I want to move on to something new. And the only way I can actually do it is to look at other people's work. Um, just come up with an idea like by accident or just like keep on thinking like what else can I do new because I don't want to feel like I'm not, I don't want to actually be like one of these photographers who does the same shit over and over and over and over because so many of them do and even if they become famous for it it's like having a very good debut album and then you cannot get the second or third album to like take off and I want to be as successful like as all the you know really great that lasted for 10, 15, 20, 30 years, you know? And they will reinvent themselves. And I want to be always thinking that I want to reinvent myself all the time so that I'm going to be, you know, not bored with my work. And I hope the, the people who are going to be looking at my work and think, oh, yeah, he's actually doing a lot of different things. And that's very, very important to me. Be tough on yourself. I think Matt said the same thing. Like, it's really, I think that's the most important thing is that for you to be very, very tough on your work and then try to find what you can improve on it for the next shoot. Kevin is asking, how do you prepare for a new season of football or rodeo? Do you review photos for past season? Kind of same thing. Of the past season, review the work of others for inspiration. Getting ready for hockey season, I'm thinking of creating a wall of photos for ideas and inspiration. Kind of same thing, huh? Yeah, I don't know if a, yeah, I don't know if a wall, I mean, how many pictures can you really put on a wall? Maybe it's got know. a big wall. I, I mean, that's what computers are for. It's a massive, massive wall. I don't know. Yeah, look look at your pictures, you know, especially if you haven't been looking at them in a while, it helps. Like I said, I, I look at my pictures constantly. I don't have anybody else that I can look to for inspiration on rodeo. I'm making everything up as I go along. I'm revolutionizing how people shoot rodeo, every single rodeo that I go to. Nobody else is doing it. A couple of people are trying. They may get there at some point, but right now... There's nobody that I can look to and say, damn, I wish I had done that. And that sucks because when I shoot other things or when I look at things that I don't even shoot, I look at them. I looked at this, I follow this guy on Instagram who shoots all underwater stuff, like against reefs and people swimming and whatever. And I saw this picture that just pissed me off because it was so good that nothing that I have is as good as this picture. That helps, but it's impossible to translate somebody shooting against a coral reef with what I do. It doesn't work like that. So I'd look at my pictures and literally I will load them all up and I will sit there with the arrow key and go through them and, you know, be aware of what I'm looking at. Do too many of these pictures look the same? Does something that I've been working on not work? Is it never going to work? Is, can I not get close enough for safety reasons? Can I not eliminate the background because of distance reasons? Is it, the action is happening in too many different places and it's impossible to go from one to the other and still get good pictures of both. Look at them. And 
when you haven't looked at your pictures for a while and you go back in and look at them, you will start to see things that you didn't see right when you took them and you were just editing them for the first time. So I would do that. I don't know if putting them on the wall will help. I would just, you know, put it full screen on your computer and just look at as many as you can. For inspiration for me, I I try to go to photo exhibition and nothing related to photography. Um, I looked at like I, I go to exhibitions, but I think going to like, I don't know, exhibitions just help because I, I get ideas from it, you know. Um, there's always ideas everywhere. Like I, I want to try different things. I look at something and it's like, ah, oh, I can do- totally do this. Like doing football stuff. Or I can do this like for bouldering or figure skating or all these things, you know? So I think you should really, yeah, I think you should like go look at exhibitions and that would always help you. Like it was help me. Lastly, Simon asks, I want to get more objective when looking at my own photos, junking the bad earlier. It's easy to spot the out of focus boring one with the nothing going on but it's judging the rest i'm struggling with so can you describe or show the photo you are most pleased with recently and explain what makes this shot stand out from the rest of you maybe talk about the ones you junk when selecting the ones and why if i look at the photos that have basically thrown away 10 years ago i think there was a reason behind it 10 years ago i don't want to kind of like go back to me 10 years ago and say hey i should have actually you know kept that picture because i have a different taste maybe what's done for me is done i don't want to like i i I really don't want to like be like that photographer whose best work is 10 years ago i want to make sure like my best work is you know i don't know two three years ago maybe the longest i mean hopefully my best work will be the last shot that shoot that i did but obviously it doesn't really work that way sometimes the one that I, yeah the 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 name picture that i actually did um i was pleased with it but the stuff that i actually got rid of i mean like because of the fact that like i did something that's not really easy to because it's a it's a you know uh, it's a panning shot basically it's just like i had the shutter speed at the tenth of a second and i just basically zoomed in zoomed out, zoomed out like crazy and then i just kind of hoped that i was going to get lucky as only thing i can possibly do i i could have done because it's a moving thing it's not it's moving from side to side and it's very very difficult to do i realized this zooming and zooming and zoom zoom out thing when people are basically moving from left to right i think it's much easier when they're basically moving away from you or towards you so you know you junk things at that moment and you kind of have to like tell yourself okay this is not good enough and i'm gonna junk it and say goodbye to it i won't look back and you don't want to look back when you're actually doing this job like you know what you can do at that moment is the best you can do you just have to be better next time does this composition make sense is what's happening athletic does it look athletic does any of it look awkward in a way that's not aesthetically pleasing? You know, does the picture make sense? Are you asking somebody to think too much? Are you asking them to chase a very small detail that, um, you know, for, for a very little payoff? And then, you know, for me, like what I've been fixated on recently is people's pictures looking very two-dimensional. Again, that's the the assignment desk uh, or the masterclass for this month, the assignment desk for uh, for next month when you are closer and the background is further away, things look more like they're three-dimensional. And so if I have to shoot, there are some things I have to shoot with the 70 to 200 is because of 
where I am and where the background is and to give myself a little bit of flexibility with the, the focal length. But some of those pictures, because if you're shooting at 72.8, there's not going to be a whole lot of blur going on in the background unless what you're shooting is very close to you. And so I will throw a lot of those pictures away if something was, you know, maybe I thought it was coming closer to me. So I zoomed out and it didn't end up coming closer to me and I stayed zoomed out and, you know, the background is too much and it looks very two dimensional. I'll throw a lot of those pictures away. That's, that's really what I'm looking for. I don't really have a whole lot of problem with things being um, out of focus or boring because I just won't shoot if, you know, and the, the D5 is, you know, pretty amazing when it comes to not making out of focus pictures. So really what I'm looking for is does this picture make sense? I don't want to have to crop something in a square. So if some action is right in the middle and it's I'm cropping it to two by three and there's so much room on either side of it, I'll throw those away just for not working, uh, you know, as a regular rectangle picture. You know, if it's not good enough, um, you know, just get rid of it. The more pictures you look at, the more you'll get it and the more you compare your good pictures and then look at the bad pictures, it'll start to become more clear. But you need to develop your own eyes. So there's not really any kind of wisdom I can give to you other than just keep looking at them and, you know, really look at every little thing that's going on. Don't forget that you didn't compose around a giant crane that was in the background or something like that. Like these are the kind of things. Look at every element of the picture, the background, the foreground, the subject, the position that it's in, how much separation there is, all of those things. And you kind of have to train your brain to be able to figure it out as you're going through these pictures fairly quickly. So just the, the answer to all of these is look at more of your pictures probably more often. And that concludes our pledge cues, and we'll come back with uh, that section we always, always love for us to talk about. Think we only say bad things about sports photography? You say we got no soul? Hell no. We're going to prove you wrong with... Cross... We tell you why specific sports photograph makes us quiver with joy. So I got a bit of a problem with this. Like I really like this picture, but you know, there's no sin in the photographs that he shoot besides the fact he's a dick. So I'll talk about this. Um, this is a photo um, of ski jumping, and this is I saw this, and this is where I decided I'm gonna do the zoom in, zoom out, that effect thing, um, and on and in football. And it's basically shot with um, low shutter speed because if you do sh um, high shutter speed, it doesn't work. I tried it. It doesn't work. So that's below. And what is going on here is he's actually got the focus on the ski jumper. He basically zoomed, I think, this one. I don't know. In or out. <laughs> it's, it makes really, I think it's a great effect. Because panning really is very, very difficult uh, when they are going away from you. It's probably the most difficult when it's going away from me. It really, really, really is. When it's going from side to side, it's really not that difficult because you can like basically track very, very well. It works, you know, almost all the time. Whether or not it looks good or bad, it's really up to you know that moment. But um, since you guys love panning, I think you guys would love this guy who's a dick. But hey, it's a good picture. I'm not gonna say anything bad about the picture. And Matt Cohen, you got something to say about this picture? Yeah, I don't like it. I respect the, the, you know, like, 
I can see why some people would like it. I don't like the like the jaggedness of the the trails of the motion. I, I just don't like that. It's it's okay. it seems like it should have been like you are kind of wrestling with more parameters in this when you're panning and zooming or whatever. But I think that it would what this ends up looking like is a picture where the panning wasn't long enough. But that's because he was also zooming. But I, you know, it's fine. I you know I can see why people like it. I wouldn't criticize them for liking it. I just don't like it. Um, I do like this first one, the uh, fencing saber picture. This is kind of mm -hmm. like about as abstract as you can get and still realize what's going on. Yeah. Um, and and that that's like a line where you want to be because if you go through all the work to get even close to that line and you go over it and it's just kind of like a jumbled mess, it will teach you something about where you would need to be for the next time or where you would want to be later in the shoot. And so, I don't know, maybe this guy's good enough that uh, he just you know, walked out there and nailed it or something. I, I would doubt it, but um, this is what you're looking for. Like, this is the kind of motion blur that's pleasing to me like not that short jagged multi-color one or whatever like this is really basic it's just uh the white with the you know the little bit of the the reflections and the i guess they have like their different colors for the scoring the saber mm. or something but you know like you could look at this and like defocus your eyes and it just looks like you know like a rorschach test or something but if you actually look at the picture then you can see where the uh the the limbs are and where their heads are and then you can see how the blur got there so this is like i said the combination of it being very abstract but still retaining the elements of what it is so that you can see what it is and not have to guess at it i don't think it's an accident that this is the headline picture of this because i think this is the strongest one so there you have it. I'm not going to talk even... Ah, like, do I like this picture? I like this picture. Yeah, I do, I do, I do. I absolutely do. I don't want to cloud my judgment because of the taste of this particular photographer. But yeah, I think he does panning very, very well. Um, one thing is that because, you know, fencing is always panning. And i kind of seen it all, you know. So, whatever. <laughs> but it's still a very good picture. Yeah, thank you very much for actually like sending us all these like this actually picked up on my own, but um keep on please uh, please keep on sending us uh suggestions for a cross counter. Yeah. Wow, that's the end. And with that we end the sixty-sixth episode of Big Lens Fast Shutter. Can't do this without you, my beautiful beautiful listeners and obviously rob with two b's our wonderful producer fantastic extraordinary even if you're not as evil as matt cohen please go to our facebook page and like us better yet do that and subscribe to our blog at biglensfastshutter.com so that you won't miss any of our latest and greatest hits and if you love us even more please rate this podcast on itunes and obviously if you have that dollar in your pocket probably 10 will be nice please go to patreon.com slash BLFS to recap Facebook, blog, iTunes, and Patreon. Rinse, repeat, love us more. See you next month.